Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the vice president of one of Crew's largest employers, a man who's held several senior executive posts prior to his current position with Brightstar based here in Crew. On today's show, we're pleased to welcome the Executive Vice President of Brightstar, Mr. Jerry O'Keefe. Jerry, welcome to Business Brunch. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. Jerry, as I've already said, you're, you're no stranger to senior executive posts, so share with us some of the pivotal moments of your journey to the boardroom. Oh, now, there's a good question. Um, Well, I suppose uh, I started my career um, training to be uh, an accountant um, in Dublin way back in the the 1980s. Uh, I progressed from there to to working in London with um, a big, you know, international firm at the time, Price uh, Price Waterhouse. That brought me to Sydney, actually, because that's always where... I intended to get to from a young lad in, in Dublin. I always had the ambition to uh, to see the other side of the world, and, and thankfully that kind of accountancy training behind me gave me that opportunity to uh, to get to Australia back in 1988. So I had uh, you know eight great years down in Australia working with Price Waterhouse and, and a big Australian um, multinational company, CSR, which is uh, the colonial sugar refining company. And that brought me, you know, I had the pleasure of working throughout Asia with uh, with CSR because they were growing businesses um, all around Asia and indeed the US at the time. But uh, that was back in the times when going to China meant uh, literally seeing people with bicycles and nothing else. You know, the odd the odd um, moped around the place, but it was just bicycles, no cars, no nothing like that. A very different place to it is when I go back there these days. Yeah, so that was that was my kind of early career. Um, but down in Australia, I met my good lady wife Jill, um, who's from Cheltenham, and uh, we ended up coming back back to, to Cheshire uh, in gee, when was that? 1996, um, and that's what brought me to to the crew area, because at that stage um, I joined Cordwell, what was then Cordwell Distribution and spent 10 great years working um, with Cordwell in, in crew and, uh, and there came a point in time when the business was sold that I thought it was an opportune time for me to, 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 to go elsewhere at that time um, thankfully there was somebody knocking on the door saying was I interested in making a move uh, so I ended up working with DCC PLC which is a big um, international uh, FTSE 100 PLC business but uh, I stayed firmly in the world of uh, technology uh, and distribution and that which I kind of learnt my, my trade in with, uh, with Cordwell. Um, so that set me up uh, with a company called MicroP, which is part of that DCC uh, PLC, um, up in Burnley. Um, that, was in, that was in 2007. So I had a wonderful 13 years there. Um, and that was, that was a you know, great time. We were growing the business from, you know, we grew it tenfold from a 250 million business in the UK and Ireland to, to two and a half billion by the time I left. And indeed, part of that was opening up a, a business in Stoke. I set up a mobile distribution element of the business in Stoke back in 2012. 
uh, but that that kind of that was a great uh, great journey um, and involved me building the business internationally then so you know as we grew the, to, to market leading position within the UK and Ireland markets um, we looked to go overseas um, and establish businesses in Canada uh, the US uh, throughout Europe um, and the Middle East so you know I took on that role as um, to head up the international business in 2014, uh, sorry, 2017, 18, um, you know, and that's been the last three years of my career there was building that business by way of acquisitions in, in all those territories. Clearly um, a, a very focused individual and you've, you've had some uh, good training in, in the fact that early on you were working for PricewaterhouseCoopers, which are one of the top four accountancy firms in the world. Uh, and they don't suffer fools. So um, if you've managed to do your time at Pricewaterhouse, you've done very well. Can I move you on, uh, Jerry, to the time that you joined Brightstar? Yeah. Um, and you you moved from a, a very successful global technology company. Clearly, you were partly responsible for some of its successes, being the, the managing director. So... Tell us a little about your move to Brightstar uh, and what attracted you sufficiently to m- make you want to move in the first place. Well, you know, there is, it is coming home for me um, in many respects. It was 13 years since I'd left what was the Caldwell Distribution Group. In the meantime, that business had been sold to private equity. Um, and in 2014, Brightstar acquired the business in, in, in Crewe um, that I'd left in 2006. So, you know, in many respects, it was, it was coming home. I'd always had a great affinity with the site, with the people um, in the business. Um, and indeed, the CEO, uh, newly appointed CEO of Brightstar globally, uh, Rod Miller, had worked with me back in the Caldwell days, together with a number of other people um, that he had kind of recruited to come back into the business. So whilst it's a great opportunity in terms of going forward in the new direction of the business, uh, Rod was very keen to bring back people that he'd worked with them before who really had you know, the, the business within their DNA. Um, and as I say, the, the, the people that I'd worked with back 13 years ago, I knew many of them were still there and I was very keen to work with them again. It, it also has the added value that it's, uh, I live in Nutsford, so uh, Nutsford to Crewe um, is, is, a, is a very manageable journey versus what I'd been used to in the past. Well, it certainly is, yeah. So just follow on with a little bit of information about about the company and, it, and its ethos. Sure. So Brightstar is totally focused in the world of services. It's a services businesses, business to the mobile network operators, you know, EE, O2, 3, um, Vodafone, and to the financial institutions, so banks such as NatWest. It provides a range of services, always largely um, related to mobile phones and our gadgets that we've now kind of extended into, so as the world of tablets and, and iPads, etc., is, uh, is prevalent everywhere. The kind of services we provide support those products as well. Our orientation is very much around um, device protection. So ultimately, you know, that's the primary product that we're focused on, which is providing those kind of insurance products for the network operators and for the banks, etc. And we underpin that with a range of highly relevant services 
that enable us provide be the best service provider um, in the country and indeed globally with regard to those products. So those kind of services are the buyback in trade-in solutions but, and affordability solutions that allow people upgrade their phones in the networks and at the same time take on kind of insurance products at the same time. Um, the mobile repair solutions. So, you know, we come to you doorstop solutions that ensure that if if there's uh, if there's something goes wrong with your phone, rather than you have to send it off and wait for it to come back, we come to you um, and uh, repair the device on your doorstep within 30, 45 minutes or so, which is a, which is a, a fantastic service that's great, gained huge plaudits over during the pandemic, as you can appreciate, um, and uh, you know, a number of other integrated services that support that um, overall service delivery to, for the, that the networks can provide to their customers. So having taken on board the, that, that business that is offering a mobile solution, that pr- presumably that's something you're gonna grow and reach out to a, a, a much greater area. Well, we now have 95% of the, the UK geography covered by that, uh, by that solution. We've got 120 vehicles on the road. You know, the plans are to increase that uh, at least 50% over the course of this coming year. So, yeah, that's, um, that's a model which has emanated here in the UK but is gaining traction globally. Um, you know, Brightstar, as we operate in, in, in numerous different territories, the Americas, Canada, um, Australia, Japan, the Nordics and Germany being our primary markets. So the objective is to roll that service um, out, uh, out internationally and indeed it's, it's up and running in Canada at present and soon to be in Australia. Today we're talking to Jerry O'Keefe, the Executive Vice President of Brightstar. Uh, Jerry, as as uh, executive vice president, you're you're rubbing shoulders with top international decision makers. So, share with us some of the key qualities of a, of an effective executive and and how you would prioritise them. One of the critical things is the ability to look forward and look in the near you know in the near term at the same time. So it's it's akin to you've kind of got one eye that's trying to to look at the. Uh, at the, at the far end of, of the pitch to see where the striker is available as if you're a goalkeeper and at the same time you've got to keep the next eye knowing what's going to happen immediately in front of you at a point in time so you're kind of always looking to see the next pass that you're going to make um, while dealing with the threat that's immediately in front of you at a point in time and that, that's one of the, the critical things is, is to be able to compartmentalise all that's around you at a point in time and give Try and ensure that you're giving um, the right amount of focus to the different compartments rather than get completely absorbed by the particular issue of the day. So, so that, that's one of the, 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 uh, the great challenges you know, and, and the great leaders. You see, them, you see them operate in that way at all times. I think great leaders are also very unflappable. You know, they just remain calm in the storm and all around, the, all around them can some, sometimes the, uh, the, the needing a little bit more just stability and, and direction um, and that calmness and awareness of people all, at all times you know I, I kind of I always go back I'll go back to uh, an incident just to, just to point it out I was running the city to surf in um, in Australia and just afterwards uh, I had uh, I happened to have lunch with the um, the guy who's the chief partner of Price Waterhouse Australia at the time, Keith Cross, and 
in the course of the conversation, he kind of realised I hadn't seen this fantastic rugby match between the All Blacks and um, the Wallabies. So nothing said of it at the time two days later he arrived down at my office in the you know way down in the building somewhere he had no idea who I was or where I was within the organization but he arrived at my door and, and handed me a video of this game and I thought you know I would go walk over hot coals for that guy ever since because he treated me as a real individual rather than just somebody within 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 the business so so that ability to relate to people all the way through the organization i think is also huge um point of leadership and, and, and a huge kind of attribute that um you kind of i'd always uh, i'll never i'll never do it anywhere near what i'd like to do but certainly um it's one of those things that you strive for in leadership that's a real nugget, isn't it, as a quality? And do you find yourself picking up these nuggets even now as you as you meet and greet people and spend time with them? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, we're always learning, aren't we? You know, that's that's the that's the essence of us as, as individuals that you're always learning. And you know, I see it, uh, it every day. I get you know, I get hugely inspired by people within our business, and I see the way they go the extra mile for customers at a point in time and it makes you realize that no matter how how you think you do there's always so much more that we can be doing particularly if we focus on our customer all the time and what we can do to make um, our customer and their customers um, front and center of everything we that we that we think about I had an instance the other day where uh, um, one of my one of the, the managers within the business and on a Saturday there was an issue with a particular customer um, for one of our one of our network operators, you know, this lady gave up her Saturday to basically drive six hours, three hours there, three hours back to make sure a customer was 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 dealt with in a situation that was quite you know tense for that for that customer. They particularly needed their phone back, you know, and that you know when you see that um, that kind of focus and delivery as well. So there's inspiration from below and inspiration from above in terms of uh, you know, leaders around you. But there's so many people that lead on a day-to-day basis within the workforce that, that don't have the big titles or anything like that, but they're just born leaders of people around them and have that focus in terms of human interaction. Yeah, it clearly comes from the top down, though, so it's uh, it's very well led. It would be difficult to ignore the, the current rate of change in modern technology, uh, as you've already alluded to, and uh, particularly with the introduction of AI. So share with us how Brightstar benefits from em- embracing these changes. Yeah, it's, very, it's a very good question, actually. Um, so AI is, um, is there to make our lives easier. It's not there to replace roles. I think it's very much there to, to make life easier. We use it increasingly in call centres and, and you know, bear in mind that um, the mix of, we've got 600 people employed um, here in Crewe, the, the, the ratio of those is there's about um, 200 in the, in the um, operational side, there's about 150 in back office and there's 150 plus in, in call centre activity and that's, that's increasing. So what we're using with AI in two ways, one, how to ensure that um, in the operational sense there's, there's, there's better efficiency there and we're able to cope with increasing demand and increasing volume at all time. 
um, to be able to deliver more and greater service to our customers and also from a call centre perspective to make the journey as easy as possible um, for, a, um, for a customer engaging with the call centre you know, not in any way to take away the opportunity for the customer to engage with the person but to ensure that it's at, you know, to give them as much choice as possible as to when they want that interaction and because what we find increasingly is people are getting more and more comfortable with digital engagement, solving issues digitally rather than necessarily um, by voice, which has historically been the way. But there is that balance all the time. So you've got to, the, 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 the real skill is ensuring that you're able to accommodate whichever way the customer wants to be served. Um, and that's what we're constantly focused on evolving our systems to be able to adapt, thankfully, um, because we're, we're relatively new into that market. We're very agile. We don't have historical legacy systems that kind of pin you down and block you being able to do it. So that, so that agility is a very much a competitive edge for us in the way that we're able to um, market our services to customers versus our competitors. Um, but yeah, so AI is, is really important in that context. Uh, well, it, it certainly is, but I'm pleased to hear that we can still speak to real people. Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, I love nothing better than to get on the, on the phone to deal with the situation because uh, I, feel, I feel that at least I, I should be able to get it sorted. Can't say that's always the case, but yeah, it is my preference. This is a podcast from The Cat. Today we're talking to Jerry O'Keefe from Bright Star Hearing Crew. Uh, Jerry, a uh, a Bright Star places its customers at the heart of the business. So talk us through what systems you have in place to keep the team trained, informed and motivated in order to exceed customer expectations at every touch point. Sure. Well, you know, the most important metric for us within our business is a, is, um, is a metric called Net Promoter Score. So, you know, that essentially um, talks to how a customer of our customer rates their experience with the customer. Now bear in mind we're a B2B customer so we don't deal directly with the public um, in the majority of cases. We are actually, uh, actually acting on behalf of our customer as to how um, they interact with their customers. So what's a huge focus for us at all times is the net promoter score associated with the service that we are providing to our customer's customer. Um, and that's you know constantly monitored during the course of the day and throughout all aspects of our business, particularly with regard to call centers, but in terms of operations that everything is delivered. Uh, if you're expecting to have a phone replacement or indeed um, we do a lot of supply chain services for our customers, that everything is going to be delivered on the next day basis exactly according to the SLA that we have established with that customer. There's a, you know, one of the first things I would see every morning is if there is an instance that we have failed on an SLA, which is very, very rare for it to occur, but that's that huge amount of um, concentration within the business and focus that we live or die by the SLAs that we, that we, um, that we operate to. Um, and always very conscious that whilst we may be Bright Star in the context of the way that we operate for Three or for um, Telefonica or for NatWest, we are NatWest, we are Telefonica O2 or we are 
um, three, for example. So we've always got to have that in our consciousness at all times. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that I'm always hugely conscious of is that um, things do go wrong. You know, things go wrong from time to time for whatever reason. It's the manner with which you address that that's, um, that's a testament to the quality of a business and an organization. Um, and if somebody goes to the trouble of, of making a complaint, it's a little bit of a cry for help in many respects. You know, if you deal with that in a hugely positive way, um, that actually leaves a very positive view of the business from the from the customer in the context that they appreciate that things go wrong but it's how you deal with it that's so important so yes you know um on a on a day-to-day basis for every of our customer engagements we have an nps um score and indeed um that sla metric which stretches to many many different points is, is one that's constantly reviewed with our customers as part of the the monthly review process that we go through with them and absolutely essential as you move forward i assume so jerry the the pandemic has uh, had a devastating effect on businesses uh, across the globe and the uk's national debt has n- now exceeded one trillion pounds so talk us through how it's affected brightstar and whether any of the changes you've introduced will be embedded in your business systems uh, as we come out of lockdown? Well, um, the pandemic has generally had very little impact on Brightstar. I was hugely impressed, and in, in, indeed it pre- preceded my involvement with Brightstar, obviously. I joined in July last year and the pandemic hit, um, unfortunately, over a year ago now. Um, but I was massively impressed with the way that the business adjusted to home working at the flick of a switch. Um, you know, literally within two to three days, everybody had been set up to, to, to operate from home. And that's been the case pretty much all the way throughout the pandemic with regard to office-based based roles and the, and the call centre activity, the, the contact centre activity. The warehouse has obviously had to operate uh, because it's in the physical world um, throughout, throughout all that time. And we've managed that very, very um, well. All the colleagues within, the, work, within, the, within the, the warehouse have adhered to the right kind of policies at all times to ensure that social distancing has been administered um, and effective on a day-to-day basis. But the company has, has reacted um, remarkably well. You know, some of, the, some of the evolutions that we see is that um, certainly people are increasingly more prepared to uh, and want to, to, to engage in digital journeys online. Uh, we see that in the activity from our customers and the way that um, their customers are engaging with them. So. The, the level of business has not really um, declined um, year on year. What's happened is that people will have, that will have um, engaged in stores, in mobile network stores, uh, do so increasingly online. Um, the We Come To You service that I spoke to earlier on obviously is perfectly suited to the world of uh, the pandemic and that's had a, a stellar year with the level of um, you know, the, the, the growth in the business and the number of repairs that we're doing doubling um, year on year as people want that um, come to your door service. So, uh, yeah, we've seen, it, um, we've seen it evolve in different areas, in different ways. But certainly, um, I'm glad to say that it's, it's, it's been 
um, neutral for the business rather than, than causing any negativity, that's for sure. We're talking to Jerry O'Keefe, the Executive Vice President of Brightstar here in Crewe. As the, the fastest growing mobile insurance company in the world, Brightstar has allocated £50 million for future investment, including a new call centre uh, right in the heart of Crewe. So tell us how you envisage this will affect further growth in the medium term and, and how you personally measure your own success. So um, the decision to invest in the crew site was one of the first things that Rod Miller, as CEO of Brightstar, um, did when, when uh, or made when, um, when taking on the role back in 2019 um, on a visit to the, to the crew site. He, he recognised that we needed to um, invest significantly in the, in the facilities for, for the workforce and for the business going forward. So the investment is one that's going to underpin the growth of the business out for the next uh, decade and beyond. Um, it increases capacity significantly. It increases the speed and efficiency with which we can support our customers. And it uh, creates you know, a, a very a modern state-of-the-art um, environment for, for, for our workforce. So, you know, I'm delighted um, with the investment that's taken place. Combination of facilities, but also the systems that we speak of in terms of the digital nature of those and how we can integrate to customers ever increasingly in the future. Allied to that, we you know, included within the kind of investments are obviously investments in new services. Um, the We Come To You service that I spoke of earlier on and also Lucid, which is a premium technical care solution that we recently um, acquired down uh, based out of Bristol, which is creates a much better uh, experience for customers as they uh, try and understand how to use um, some of the technology that they will have acquired from um, mobile networks and so on. You know, it, it's much more intuitive in terms of the language that customers can engage with as to how to navigate some of the complexity that exists within um, mobiles today and, and so that they can um, get the full value out of, out of their devices. It also sometimes you know, kind of prevents people actually needing a repair because in reality there, is, there isn't a need for the repair, it's just um, some help and assistance with how to use the, the, the technology that exists. Um, within the phone, etc. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm hugely excited with our move to the new premises. We'll be doing so um, within the next two to three months. It's, it's quite cathartic in a way. You know, people left from one series of buildings um, to, to work from home back uh, in 2020 with, uh, with the pandemic. And they'll come back to completely new circumstances in, in 2021 lovely new state-of-the-art buildings new facilities you know a gym and so on within the workplace and um yeah it's it's uh, a massive step step forward um for us as a business but it's indicative of a wider um uh, investment that brightstar are making there's equivalent um uh, spend in new facilities in dallas which is our headquarters um and also in sydney where we've got new sites um and new offices coming on board down in sydney and indeed in melbourne Jerry, your, your company has strong links with the local community and it has certainly excelled in its support of, of schools and local care homes So uh, during the pandemic. Uh, so share with us how you identify your good causes and, and why it's important for Brightstar to connect with the community. 
it's you know we we are a business that's existed here for 25 years um you know i i the day i started back in what was 2020 in october um, 1996 was the first day that the cold oil distribution business operated out of out of crew. Um, all our workforce is is uh, from the area. It's a fantastic workforce. Um, you know, the, the huge depth and knowledge of everything to do with our business and the mobile the mobile you know industry um, in the area. We respond to what situations that arise we respond well to to people coming to us and, and identifying an opportunity that perhaps we can help with particularly those that come through our, our employees and those that that raise those um, with us and indeed we're always working with our with our customers um, in the use of technology and this has been hugely relevant in the pandemic as well you know how um, some of our customers campaigns we will be ingrained in the way that they support um, wider national solutions so the local scenarios are tend to be quite um, specific and will come from some level of engagement that will occur within the business and then there's wider national um, engagements that we'll have with customers where they are promoting aspects of digi- digital, you know, just expansion of digital services for a range of uh, a demographic at a point in time or to support children and so on um, who don't have access to the to, to, to digital world. So that tends to be the way that that engagement occurs. Well, I'm sure you'll continue to strengthen those links and um, certainly a a lot of charities and sports groups wouldn't exist without the support of um, local business. Jerry, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you today and thank you for giving us an insight into the global world of technology through the eyes of a senior executive. So should any of our listeners be uh, interested in working for Brightstar, where could they find more information about the company? Well, just, you know, one LinkedIn. We, you know, we use LinkedIn very significantly as a, as a rec- recruitment tool. Uh, Lauren, who heads up our, our, um, our recruitment, is always engaged on LinkedIn. So please approach us via LinkedIn. Uh, and indeed, just call through to, you know, to, to reception, just call through to the main office number. Angela, who heads up our reception, our manager's reception, will always put you in contact with the right kind of person. And Bright Star is its people. Uh, people are hugely important to everything that we do. We're a business that's very clear in terms of our growth um, trajectory for the, for the coming decade. You know, we're continuing to bring on new customers, and thankfully, we see that continue many years into the future. So I am very conscious that we will always need to um, be able to recruit more and more people from the area. Jerry, thank you for coming on The Cat today. Good. Lovely to talk to you, Dad. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.